Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day you've given to us. Thank you for your presence in this place. We welcome you. We encourage you, Father, to help us, to teach us, to minister to us, help change our lives, transform our thinking. Father God, we thank you for the words that come out of my lips. Give me the utterance to speak your words of life. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that the word will come alive in each and every one of us. Open up our hearts to receive your instructions this day. And for this we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Several years ago, there was this commercial that has this jingle. Now, some of you may remember this. We're going way back. It goes like this. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Okay, some of you know it, okay? It's a commercial that advertises Alka-Seltzer. Now, for some of you who don't know what Alka-Seltzer is, it's a medicine that helps relieve upset stomach. Today we have Pepto-Bismol, but back then it was pretty popular. And all it is is just tablets, little round white tablets, probably about the size of a quarter. And what you do is you take those two tablets and you drop it into a glass of water. And then it begins to fizz. Then when it, it dissolves, then you can drink it. And then it will relieve your upset stomach. And you're probably wondering, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. When people get saved and receive Christ as Savior, God drops the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our new nature. The Spirit's presence is designed to bring about a change for upset lives, upset minds, in upset circumstances. Amen. And God did this so that his people would discover, watch this, oh, what a relief he is. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to talk to you about the most important person in the world. Amen. He's not your spouse, not your children, not your grandchildren. I hope my grandson's not here. <laughs> it's not your parents or your grandparents. Now, all them, all they are, they're all important to us, granted. But they're not as important or more important than the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you agree with me in that? Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the most important person in the world. He is the most important person in your life. And this morning we're going to talk about why he's so important to us. Now, we can spend weeks talking about how important the Holy Spirit is in our lives. But because of the time that is allotted to me this morning, I'm going to focus on three aspects of the Holy Spirit that makes him important to us. The first thing is the importance of his person. The importance of his presence. And the importance of his power. So those are three things that we want to focus. And I think that before we go any further with this, as we start off with the importance of his person, let's settle this in our hearts and our minds this morning, that the Holy Spirit is a person. In 1997, there was a poll that was taken uh, by the Barna Group. 
concerning the Holy Spirit. And 61% of the people that took the survey all agreed that the Spirit of God was a symbol that represented His power or presence and was not a real entity. The sad news about that is that the nearly the majority of the people that took that poll or that survey were Christians from every denomination, including mainline Protestants and evangelicals. One of the most important things for us as Christians is to be able to acknowledge and to understand and realize that the Holy Ghost is real. He is a person. And let me tell you why that's so important to us. Because when we begin to understand that he is a person, only then can we experience a personal, real, meaningful, and working relationship. Go with me to John chapter 14. We're going to spend a lot of time in this chapter. John chapter 14, verse 17. Jesus says this about the Spirit of God. He says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he dwells in you, or he will be in you. Jesus is saying here that you can know the Spirit of God. You can actually have a relationship with the Spirit of God because he lives inside of you. Amen. Amen. My wife and I, we have been together for going on 34 years. And I know there are some couples here who have been here, I mean, been together a lot longer than that. And I applaud you for that. But my point here is this. To live with someone for that many years indicates to me that there is a real, personal, and working relationship going on in that household. When we enter into a relationship with the Spirit of God... Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me slow my roll here. When God saves us, he then introduces us to the Holy Spirit and expects us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to, uh, to, to have a communion with the Spirit's person. That's how important it is to God. But we have to believe that he is a person, otherwise... We can't have a real relationship with him. No relationship can be established until we understand that he is real and that he is a person. Now, the Bible gives us many evidence or, or, or proof that the Spirit of God is a person. Now, of course, we don't have time to get into all of it, but the Spirit of God, the, the Bible does talk about how he is in a personal being and not an impersonal thing. The Christian circle considers the Holy Spirit or, or, or refers to the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity, not the third thing of the Trinity. Every pronoun that is used in the Bible in reference to the Holy Spirit is always a he or a him, but never an it. Uh, are you hearing me? In John 14, look down in verse 16. Where Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And he says this. And I will pray to the Father. 
And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. One thing I want you to notice is how Jesus addresses the Holy Spirit. He addresses him as a, a he. We see the similar example down in verse 26. If you look down in verse 26 in the same chapter, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. In John 14, verse 17, which is the first verse that I read to you, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as him three times. And once as a he. An indication that the Spirit of God is a person. You cannot have a real relationship with a thing or with an it. But you can have a relationship with someone who is referred to as a he. So there are three primary characteristics that make a person a person. There's the, the mind, the will, and emotions. And if you study the New Testament, you'll find that the Spirit of God has all three characteristics. For example, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11. Paul says, But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, when Paul was writing this, he was talking about the ten gifts of the Spirit that, that the Spirit of God distributes to every member of the body of Christ. He's the one that makes the decision as to who gets what, according to his will. So if the Spirit of God decides to give Tim, Tim Booker, the word of wisdom, but he wants the gift of miracles... Guess what? Tim has nothing to say about it. Because the Spirit of God is the one that made the decision according to his will. Now, Tim can kick, scream, cry, and whine, and moan, but it's not going to change a thing. He's still going to be stuck with the word of wisdom instead of the gift of miracles. But understand that the reason why he has the gift of wisdom was because God had already made a plan for him That requires that particular gifting. So the Spirit of God knows exactly what gift you need. Based on the plan that he has for you. Otherwise it's not going to work. Not going to do me any good. If 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 I operate in the spirit of discernment. Which is a great gift to have. But God wanted me to have another gift then whatever God has planned for me is not going to work out because I'm not operating based on a gift that the Spirit of God gave me. Amen. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. So the Spirit of God has a will. A symbol, a thing, does not have a will. It can, cannot make a decision. So these are attributes of a person, not a thing. Now go to Romans chapter 8. Let's look at another attribute, the mind. Romans 8, verse 26, says this. Likewise, the Spirit who also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us 
with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27. Now he, which is God, who searches the hearts, knows what the what? Mind of the Spirit is, because he, the Spirit, makes intercession (coughs) for the saints according to the will of God. So we understand that the Spirit of God has a mind. He has an intellect. He is omniscient. He knows all things. And I'm so glad about that. I'm glad that I have an intelligent spirit living inside of me instead of a dumb one. But an impersonal thing does not have a mind. Does not have an intellect. This verse only works or makes sense if the Holy Spirit was a person. Now go to Ephesians chapter 4 and let's look at the third attribute. The emotions. Many of you here who, we all have emotions. Every one of us. And our emotions get triggered based on events or based on what people say or do. If a person says something negative about us, it stirs up an emotion Anger, hurt feelings, sadness. If our child does well in school, it stirs up an emotion of joy and happiness. If our child keeps misbehaving at home, it stirs up an emotion of frustration and anger. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of of redemption. The word grieved is the Greek word which means to be distressed, to be saddened, or to be sorrowful, or to be in heaviness. That means that the Spirit of God can be stirred up by the things that we say or do. Because Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Who do you think he was talking to? He was talking to the church. That means that the church can stir up the emotions of the Spirit of God. Which means that whatever you say and whatever you do is going to stir up some serious emotions in the Holy Ghost. That's why Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Ghost. A thing or a force cannot express emotion. Only a person can do so. John 14, verse 16, Jesus says... That I will send another helper. In other words, he says, I'm going to send you another divine person to help you. Someone like himself. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. In other words, what Jesus was trying to get across to his disciples was that he was going to send them a somebody, not a something. Because the Spirit of God is a person. He's going to send a divine somebody that you and I can have a relationship with. So he is a real person. He is not a symbol like some people believe. Because a symbol does not have an emotion. A symbol doesn't have a mind. A symbol doesn't have a will. A symbol can't teach. A symbol cannot encourage. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. Because he's a person. And this is one of the reasons why the Spirit of God is so important to us. Knowing that He's a person. Because when you know that He's a person, He becomes real to you. 
And when he becomes real to you, then you become more aware of him. And when you become more aware of him, then it's easy to become or to have a relationship with him. When you know him and recognize him as a person, you'll be able to be able to hear him more clearly. You'll be able to respond to him more quickly because you have a relationship. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, there's a story where the apostle Paul and Silas were traveling through the regions of Galatia. But the Spirit of God has something to say about it. Because the Bible said that the Spirit forbade them not to go. And so they decided to go into the city of Bithynia. But once again, the Spirit of God had something to say about it. Because the Bible says that the Spirit did not permit them to go into the city of Bithynia. Now, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that the apostles argued, complained, resisted, or even ignored the words of the Holy Ghost. But it does say that they quickly went to another city to bring the gospel. In other words, they were so tuned into the Holy Ghost because they recognized that he is a real person, that they not only heard him clearly, but they were able to respond quickly. Amen. See, that's what happens when we understand him and acknowledge him as a person. We get tuned into him. We get connected to the Holy Ghost. So when the Holy Ghost is telling you, you need to read your Bible. You're not going to argue with him. You're going to get up and get into the word. He's going to tell you, you need to pray more. You're not going to argue with the Holy Ghost. So you're going to go pray. You're going to respond quickly because he's a person. And he's smarter than you are. So it's so important to know that the Holy Spirit is truly a real person because only then can we develop a real and personal relationship with him. The second point that I want to talk to you about is the importance of his presence. Now, are you in John chapter 14? If you're not, go back to John chapter 14 again. How important is the Spirit's presence in our lives? John chapter 14 and verse 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The fact that Jesus used the term another helper tells me that there was a first helper. That there was an original helper. The implication here is that Jesus was not talking about just any helper. He wasn't talking about some hired hand. He was talking about another helper very similar to himself. A helper that's almost identical in every way like the first helper, which is Jesus. How Jesus thinks, how Jesus prays, how he acts, how he talks, how he treats people. That's, that person, that other person that Jesus, that Jesus said that God will send will be just like Jesus. As a matter of fact, having the presence of the Holy Spirit is the same as having the presence of Jesus. Everything that Jesus was to his disciples, the Holy Ghost will be to us. So how was this Jesus with his disciples? Well, he was their counselor. He was their teacher. He was their consoler. 
He was their mentor. He was their encourager. He was their miracle worker. He was all that and more. But this other person is going to be just like that. Man, that excites me. I don't know about you. Go to John chapter 16. He is not just our helper, but he is an ever-present helper. Why did Jesus say to his disciples that it was better for them that he leave and the Holy Spirit come? Well, because Jesus, who is God, when he came down to this earth, he had to cover his deity in his humanity. It's like putting clothes over your naked body. So when people see you, they don't see your nakedness, they see clothes. Jesus had to cover his deity in his humanity. Philippians chapter 2 tells us this. Go to go there real quick. Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 6. Philippians make it very clear that Jesus Christ willingly poured the totality of his deity into his humanity. Verse 6 says this. Who, although being essentially one with God, and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. Verse 7, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant or a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. So when Jesus willingly poured his or the totality of his deity into his humanity, the result was that, oh, even though Jesus is God, listen to this, when Jesus is, even though Jesus is God, the result was that in his humanity, he can only be in one place at one time. As God, he was omnipresent, which means he can be everywhere at one time. But when he became man, when he clothed himself in humanity, it limited him, which means he can only be in one place at one time. So when Jesus brought the gospel, it was always one village at a time. But then the Holy Spirit came, and he made the difference. But the question is, when he came, what was the advantage? What was the advantage that Jesus was talking about? Well, since the Spirit of God is present in you, he is wherever you happen to be, going wherever you happen to go. He's with you wherever you go. Listen very carefully. All of God that you ever want to have, if you come to Christ, is in you. Amen. Which means that you will never be in a situation where you have less access to Jesus Christ than the next Christian. Amen. Let me give you an example. At the end of this service, every one of us are going to go into our cars and eventually after going to a restaurant and eating and everything else, 
will eventually go home. Some of you will go to Warwick. Some of you will go to Pawtucket. Some of you will go home to Cranston. Some of us will head east to New Bedford, the holy city of Massachusetts. <laughs> All those who live in New Bedford say amen. Some of us will go home to Fall River, Fair Haven. Don't want to leave. Uh, Ushers? Some of us will go home to Somerset or Swansea or whatever. Oh, he's Providence, I'm sorry. Rumford. And Worcester. Okay, guys, all right. You're in my time now. Well, since Jesus. Well, let, 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 me, let me back up. Let's suppose that Jesus decides to come and visit us one morning. And he announces that he wants to go home with one of us. Well, seeing that I'm one of the pastors at Faith Christian Center, he decides to go home with me. Now, if you're from Warwick and you need Jesus, you don't want to hear the fact that he's tied up with me in New Bedford. And if you're in Cranston and you need Jesus, well, you don't want to hear that some other saint in East Providence is tying him up and you're not going to see him for another few days. Do you understand where I'm going with this? When you need Jesus, you need him right now. And you need his undivided attention. So guess what? In order for Jesus to meet the needs of every Christian everywhere, he had to leave. So that he can send the Holy Spirit who is not limited to time and space and can go home with every one of us simultaneously and no one gets left out. When we leave here, we leave here with the Holy Spirit. And we leave here with his ministry. So if you're feeling down and you're not feeling good and you're, and you're just, just not going through, you're just going through a rough time. You're not going home with just the Holy Spirit. You're going with his entire ministry. Think about that. So when you're going through something and Pastor Ray is going through something, you don't have to wait for the Holy Ghost to minister to him before he gets to you. The Spirit of God is ministering to the both of you at the same time. That is the advantage that Jesus says what happened for us. That's why he had to leave. Because he was limited in his humanity, but the Spirit of God is not. He is omnipresent, he is omniscient, and he is omnipotent. Omnipotent. I can't even say the word. So that is why it's important to have his presence. It's important to know his person because it allows us to develop a real and personal relationship with the Holy Ghost. He becomes more real to us. We become more aware of him. And it's important to know his presence because his presence... He's not there just to sit back in a recliner and just relax and just move and act when we need him. No, he is constantly working. Amen, that's right. He is constantly moving. Yes, sir. He is involved very much in his ministry in your life, in your personal life. Amen. That's what he's called to do. As a matter of fact, his calling is more real 
than the calling or as the calling of a pastor, of a teacher, of an evangelist, of an apostle. He's got work to do. And, and how many of you know that we all need a lot of work? I, I can testify to that. I need a lot of work. So that is one of the importance of the Holy Spirit. His person and knowing his presence. The third thing that we're going to look at tonight or this morning is his power. The importance of his power. Go to Luke chapter 24. Now, when you put a rowboat beside a speedboat, the difference is pretty obvious. A rowboat requires human effort. A speedboat, however, is based, it moves based on another power source. The rowboat represents our determination to get where we need to go. The rowboat or the speedboat represents the Christians who rely on the power source of the Holy Spirit to propel them into their Christian life to get them where they need to go. If you were to put two beautiful-looking cars together, and you open up the hood to one of the cars, and you see a beautiful engine, and you turn the, the key, the ignition, and that engine is purring like a kitten. You open up the hood to the other car. Looks just as nice as the other one. But it's got no engine. The power is in the car with the engine. Not without the engine. We're the cars with the engine. We purr like a kitten. Now, I hope that you don't actually go home and meow like a kitten. That's just an analogy, okay? Because there's power in us. Now, don't misunderstand when I say power. Because we get it in our heads that because we have the power of God inside of us, that we can leap tall buildings in a single bound, and faster than a speeding bullet, and fly around all over the place in church. No, that's not what the power of God is about. The power of God is about transforming your life. The power of God is about expressing His glory through us. Yes, sir. Yes. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, it says, And behold, I will send forth upon you what my Father has promised. Who promised this? The Father. The Father. But remain in the city, he says, in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Now go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria into the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. Now the word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. Which describes the Holy Spirit as providing 
the dynamite-like power working in us. Now, Jesus was very clear in these, both these two verses. Now, don't miss this. Jesus was very clear in these two verses that serving God and working for God is not a one-man or one-woman show. In Acts 1a, Jesus says that before they would be able to evangelize the world, before they would be able to change the world, before they would be able to make a difference in this world, they need to have the dunamis of the Holy Ghost. In other words, it takes two, the believer and the Holy Ghost, to make a difference in this world. It takes two, the believer and the Holy Ghost, to change this world. It takes you and the Holy Ghost to help transform the lives of people. It's not a one-man show. You need the Holy Ghost. You need his power. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. You need him to make a difference in your life, in your marriage. You need him to make a difference in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood. Ephesians chapter 3, one of my favorite verses of scripture says his, this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Where did Paul say this dunamis power is working? In us. So that means that within every believer there is a rich power source working through, through us to help us. To do what is impossible to do on our own. Glory be to, God. Amen. to help us to do what is impossible for us to accomplish by ourselves. You know, sometimes God will put us in a position to do something or to say something to somebody where you and I don't have the confidence to do. But when you know it's the Holy Ghost, know that there's a dynamite power working on the inside ready to, to explode when you work hand in hand with the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost cannot express or manifest the glory and power of God without your help. Now, let me take that back. He can, but he chooses to do it with you and through you. Amen. That's why it's important. Listen, every one of us is called to do something. Every one of us has a ministry. It may not be in a five-fold ministry group, but certainly you have a ministry. Amen. But that ministry cannot function without the power of the Holy Ghost, without the presence of the Holy Ghost, without the person of the Holy Ghost. You need Him. And so, because He's smarter than we are, He knows exactly who needs ministering, when they need to be ministered to, and He knows who to be the one to minister to. So he may say, Gabriel, I need you to minister to someone for me. Say, no, no, I'm eating my supper, Lord. <laughs> but I know Gabriel won't do that. He'll just leave his supper there and say, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? But it's knowing that you have the confidence in believing that the Spirit of God that is in you is going to help you 
to minister to that individual. And here's the thing, too. When, how can I say this? When you show the Lord that you're willing to yield to the Spirit of God, then he knows that he can use you at any time. Even if it's at 3 o'clock in the morning. Even when the challenges that you're facing, and he's saying you need to face this, you know that he's there to help you. Remember, the Spirit of God, he's just not only living inside of you, but he's working inside of you. And you have the entire ministry of the Holy Ghost inside of you. So what he needs is for you to put yourself in a position by simply yielding to the Holy Ghost and saying, "You Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm available. And watch what the Spirit of God will do in your life. Oh, if we can just learn to yield to the Spirit of God every day of our lives. When we recognize that he is a person. When we recognize the fact and be aware of the fact that he is with us everywhere. And know that whatever we say or do will affect him. When we understand that there's a dynamite power inside of us ready to explode the moment we give him the license to speak and move through us. You know, I'm so privileged, and we should all be so privileged, that God chose us as his instrument for his spirit to move and to work through us. The fact that he's willing to entrust us to be his vessel, his conduit, his channel to express his power. Go to John 14. John 14. Verse 12. We have a divine person who will always be present in us. Who has the power to help, to help us to deal with the daily affairs of life. But you know it's human nature to want to tackle life single handedly. Using our own power and resources. And that may work for a while. But in the end, we find that self-reliance will only mess up our lives. God did not meant for us to be self-reliant. He meant for us to be relying on the Holy Ghost. In John 14, 12, Jesus says this. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Now, when Jesus made this comment, or this statement to his disciples, he did not make this statement expecting them to do this by themselves. He did not expect us to do greater works than Jesus by ourselves. Because four verses later, in verse 16, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will send you a helper. We're not going to do the greater things without the help of the Holy Ghost. Understand that the power of the Holy Spirit is the only power on earth that is sufficient enough to deal with the daily affairs of life, to deal with the attacks of the enemy, to deal with every challenge that we face in life. And when we learn to rely on that spirit, learn to recognize his voice, learn to move quickly when he speaks, then your life will be successful. Your life will operate more powerfully. 
And God will be able to do tremendous things. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. He says, man, how many opportunities have I missed? The Holy Ghost wanted to use me to be a blessing or to minister to someone. Or to have a timely word for someone. Or to pray for someone. How many opportunities have we missed? I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to miss out on the Holy Ghost. I don't want to miss on what he wants to do in our lives. He's given to us to help us. To help us do what? To help us to carry the gospel to the kingdom. But he can't do it without your help. He can do it, but he chooses not to because he has us. We are his channels to manifest his power. We are his conduit to manifest the glory of God. When he indwells the believer, he enables us. Go to John, uh, I'm sorry. You're already in John chapter 14. Let me read that to you in the Amplified Version, verse 16. He says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, consoler, or counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. When he indwells the believer, he enables us. Now, when we use the word enable, we, we look at it from a negative connotation. You know, like enabling a child. That's not always a wise thing to do. But I don't know about you, but I'd rather be enabled. By the Holy Ghost, I mean, not by my wife. The word enable simply means to give someone or something the authority or the means to do something. It means to, to allow or to equip. It means to make someone able or qualified to carry out an assignment. That's what the word enable means. The Spirit of God has been sent to us to enable us, to give us the means to operate, to equip us, to help us to become everything that God desires for us to be. Go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. It says this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. The New Living Translation says this. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. You know, when you think about that, says, man, you know, to live a Christian life, how many of you will agree, is an impossible task. Come on now, let's, let's be honest. To live a Christian life is an impossibility. But that's why he gave us the Spirit of God. To enable us, to equip us, to be everything that he calls us to be. To help us to, to obey his commands, to help us to walk and to talk, and to act like Jesus in this world. We are to model Jesus in this world, but it cannot be done except through the Spirit of God. Paul traced his success in all of things to the help of the Holy Spirit. He recognized that the important place of the Spirit of God it was that was in his life 
in the church and also in the believers. He understood the importance of that. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. As I get ready to close. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is one of my favorite verses. First Corinthians 2 verse 3 says this. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Verse 4. But my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But what? In demonstration of the spirit and of power. The word demonstration means manifestation. That means throughout Paul's ministry, the Holy Ghost manifested himself through his preaching and his teaching. He recognized that his preaching was nothing to, to write home about. But he knew that, that the Spirit and the demonstration of the power of the Spirit made the difference wherever he went. Paul relied on the Spirit of God everywhere he went. He had to. Even though he faced trials and temptations and, and was stoned and beaten and shipwrecked. But he could not have done that without the Holy Ghost. How many of you have ever had a bad day? We've all had bad days. How many of us have more bad days than others? But you know, at the end of the day, you realize, thank God for getting me through that day. You could not do it without the Holy Ghost. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for reminding us of the importance of your spirit that is in our lives. Lord, we thank you that the, that the spirit of God is a real person. We thank you, Father God, that he's ever present in my life. And we thank you that this divine person living inside of me has also power to work through me to make me become everything that you call us to be. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you all the glory and praise. Holy Ghost, move in our lives. Make a difference in our lives. Help us to become everything you call us to be. Help us to be a witness wherever we go. Help us to make a difference in our workplace. Help us to make a difference in our home, in our marriage, in our lives. Holy Ghost, thank you for being with us and for never leaving us, especially when things get tough. Thank you for standing by us. Thank you for working with us. And Lord, for this we thank you. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we dismiss you, let me just...